Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Today I want to take a a deep look into what it means to believe in Jesus. And if you have the notes, you think that this is going to be a book that I've written because there's so many scriptures. And the truth is, there's so much that needs to be said and can be said here that this really could be stretched out over um, multiple messages, but at at the same time, I realize that especially this being summertime and people travel, that I may not get to hit you again uh, for a week or two, and so I'm I'm trying to condense all of this into one message. Now, again, I I believe that this is probably the most critical message. That, that I can ever preach because every person's eternal life is tied to whether or not they get what it means to believe in Jesus. I want to begin by, by just kind of painting the, 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 the frame here. In Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Verse 3 is God's entire ministry, God's entire program in a nutshell. Clear back to the Garden of Eden, it was God's plan to dwell among His people. In verse 3, it says, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them. It all started in Eden. If you remember, in the cool of the day, God would come and He would walk with Adam and Eve in in the garden, that He would fellowship with them, that He would walk and they, they, would, they would talk about life and talk about all of the, all of the aspects that, that were going on in their, in their world. So Adam and his bride walked with God in a perfect Eden. And then in Revelation 21 and 22, we see that Christ, who is the second Adam and his bride, the church, again, are going to dwell in fellowship with God. That just as Adam and Eve dwelled with God in the garden, Christ and his bride, the church, will dwell with God in a perfect Eden. That's that's God's plan. That's what God desires. And in between, from Genesis to Revelation, what we see is the working out of God's plan of redemption. 
when Eden was taken because of sin, God put into place a plan to redeem His creation back to Himself. Understand this. God desires our fellowship. God desires our worship. God desires to be in communion with us. You know, we, we exist for the pleasure of God. And it is our job to, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege to be in fellowship with God. And so we, we are called to that relationship. And He gave us the, the capacity the, the reason that we're different from all of the rest of creation is because we have the capacity to experience that, that connection with Him. We are created in the image of God. And because of that, we have the ability to love, the, to experience joy and happiness. You know, God has given us free will. He's, he's given us the ability to discern right from wrong, good from evil, you know, to obey, to disobey. You know, the, the ability to worship Him. You know, and, and greatest of all, again, part of His redemption plan, God has given us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So when we stop and we consider all that God has done for us, all that God is doing to redeem us, what that should do is that should bring us to a place of saying, wow, God is really something. I ought to worship Him. And so how do we best show worship? How do we best show devotion? Well, Jesus said it. It's, it's really very simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's, that's the way we show God our devotion to Him. That's the way we, we enter into fellowship with God. The greatest demonstration that you and I can give is that we faithfully obey God. Now, we know what happened with Adam and Eve, that sin entered into the world, and, and Adam didn't obey God, and as a result, death and sin brought the downfall of creation. We, we know that. In Genesis 2, beginning with verse 16, it says, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Because of sin, we are born spiritually dead. Because of sin, we are separated from God. We are cut off from God. We are all descendants of Adam. <clears throat> now, we are not physically dead, and this is where some people get confused as they think, well, if I am physically alive, I must be spiritually alive also. But the Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead. And the problem is, is if a person dies physically and they are already spiritually dead, then they will be cut off eternally from that connection to God. 
And they will, they will spend eternity separated from God. Romans 6.23 says, When people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. But God gives His people a free gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin has purchased death. We, we are separated. We are cut off. We do not have a relationship with God. What we deserve is death. What we get is death. But notice that God has come up with a, a plan. It is a gift that God offers to everyone. Eternal life. God has come up with the only way that we can be saved from our sin. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 4, says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loves us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It's not God's desire that we be cut off. As I begin this message by saying, it is God's desire to be in fellowship with us. He wants to walk every day with you, to, to commune with you. And notice in Ephesians 2, it says, God is so rich in mercy and He loves us so much. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, This is good and pleases God our Savior. Notice this. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. It's not God's will that anyone be cut off from Him. It is to our benefit that we get to know God personally. You know, God doesn't gain anything by knowing me. But I gain everything by knowing God. When Jesus died on the cross, His death was enough. It was, it, was, it was all that was needed for all of humanity to be saved. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we are still sinners. Salvation is God's gift to us. We didn't do a thing to earn it. In fact, I have done more to unearn salvation than I ever have to earn salvation. 1 John 2.2, 2, Jesus is the way our sins are taken away, and He is the way all people can have their sins taken away. Again, I hate to disagree with the, the great and wise philosopher um, Oprah Winfrey, but there is not many ways to God. There is one way and one way only, Jesus Christ. Too often people have wrongly assumed that as long as I do more good than bad in life, then I, I'm okay that, that that's all I need to do. That there's some sort of cosmic scale up there. And as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'm good. But that's not true. That, that isn't what the Bible teaches. From the get-go, and hear this carefully, from the very beginning, 
we are already judged guilty for our sins. We, we can't avoid the fact that we are already guilty. John 3.16 is a verse that we, we love to quote, but let's read that whole section. John 3.16-18 through 18 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Now notice verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Notice that God has made the way of salvation. God has made the provision. God provided the sacrifice. We are to believe in Jesus. And that is our responsibility. And anyone who has not believed has already been judged. Sitting where you are this very moment, you are in one of two categories. You have either believed in Jesus and therefore you have been given eternal life by God or you have not believed in Jesus and you are already judged guilty of your sin. And unless you come to salvation by believing in Jesus, you will spend eternity in a place called hell. It has nothing to do with how good a person you are. It has nothing to do with your relationship to somebody. It has nothing to do with church membership. It has nothing to do with nothing other than do you believe in Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the point of this message. That is why this message is so critical. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Having been a pastor now for 24 years, I am convinced that there are many, many, many people who believe themselves saved, who believe themselves headed to heaven, and they're not because they don't really believe in Jesus. I'm going to read several scriptures just to kind of establish that the Bible over and over again talks about believing in Jesus. In John 1, beginning with verse 10, He came to the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But to all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become the children of God. We know the story of the Philippian jailer. Remember, Paul was locked up in a, a prison cell in Philippi, and an earthquake came, and all of a sudden, Paul's chains fell off. And the, the jailer, believing everyone had escaped, took out his sword, and he was going to kill himself because he knew that he would be killed by the Roman authority if he had let anyone escape. And Paul says, stop, stop, don't hurt yourself. We're all still in here. And so the Philippian jailer came in and he fell at the feet of Paul. And in Acts 16, he said, then he brought them out and he said, 
Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans 10. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 Corinthians 1.21, since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He used our foolishness, our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Over and over and over again, the Bible teaches that salvation comes only to those who believe. I read earlier the teaching of Jesus to Nicodemus in John 3.16. Listen now and, and read along with me. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment, how? Against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged. Why? For not believing in God's one and only Son. There are many other passages, but again, for the sake of time, you know, just understand that there is tons of Scripture that we receive salvation only by believing. So what does the word believe mean in the context of Scripture? It's the same word as the word faith. To believe in Jesus is to have faith in Jesus. But that doesn't automatically help us, does it? Because the word faith has a very muddled definition in our, our secular world. Faith and reason are often viewed as opposites. Most of us in here are old enough, uh, old enough to remember the Christmas film Miracle on 34th Street. And in that, the, the lawyer, the character um, Fred Gailey says, faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to. But that's really not true. Because with that definition, you can just as easily believe in the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, or that the Chiefs will go to the Super Bowl. You know, and, and that's just fantasy. You know, that, that's fantasy. Any, you know, uh, so, so we, need to, we need a better understanding that... I was just checking to make sure y'all are even awake. It... It's not, you know, it, it's so critical that we understand what true believing, true faith looks like. And it's a lot like love. You know, in the Bible, love is an act of the will. You know, Jesus tells us that we are to love our enemies, um, it is an act of devotion. It is something that we do intentionally. Jesus told us, love as I have loved you. 
It is, a, it is a, an act of our volition that, that we choose to do it because we are being obedient. So when, when we take love and instead of making an act of the will, we make it become an emotion, then all of a sudden love is wishy-washy and it's like, oh, I don't love you anymore. Well, love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Well, believe it or not, faith is the same way. To believe is the same way. We can't base what we believe, we can't base our faith on how we're feeling at the moment. I don't feel saved. I, I, I'm not sure whether I'm saved today and tomorrow. I, I don't know. I'll have to look at tomorrow. That, that's not the way it works. It's based on our action. James addressed this uh, beginning in verse uh, chapter 1. It says, don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. What good, and then over in verse, chapter 2, verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Do you see, faith or, or believing are directly tied to our behavior. Just saying you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you're saved. James goes on to say in, in chapter 2, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Understand this, to believe into Jesus in, in Jesus is to act, to live in response to His impact on your life. If Jesus has come into your life, then there needs to be evidence of that. Jesus said to obey Him. My question for us is, do you obey Jesus in every aspect of your life? Is that your goal? Is that what you are trying to accomplish? In Luke 6, Jesus said, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. This is what believing in Jesus looks like. And I ask you, is this what your life looks like? You know, this is, this is rubber meets the road Christianity. Jesus taught that to be His disciple, is, to be His follower, is to live a life of self-denial. You know, Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. Denying yourself is a critical part of the Christian life. To believe in Jesus is the call to deny, the call to reject our natural self, our natural tendencies. And, and you know, we all, being human and being sinful, it is natural for us to be selfish, to be self-centered. 
And, and Jesus is saying, you have to deny that. You have to push that away. And Jesus is the perfect example of what that looks like. It takes faith and a lot of courage to live that way. You know, any old fool can, can fight back. Any, anybody can retaliate. Anyone can respond by being mean and hateful. You know, that's the way the world operates. But if we believe in Jesus, then we respond the way Jesus would respond. Not with hate, but with love. You know, God wants us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, pray for those who hurt us, and turn the other cheek. Is it easy? No. But it is, the, it is what believing in Jesus looks like. Believing in Jesus is to say that I have more trust in following what Jesus says than I do in my own natural reaction. You know, uh, when, when I choose to live in love, when I deny my old nature, I'm showing that I believe in Jesus. And that is pleasing to God. Jesus paid a price. And we need to understand that there is a price to be paid for following Him. You're not going to hear any health wealth preaching in where here where you know I'm I'm not going to tell you that Jesus wants you to be wealthy that Jesus wants you to to rise to the top. You know if that's what Jesus chooses to do in your life fantastic. But what Jesus says in the Bible is deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. As Christians, we need to cling to our faith when life gets difficult because the heart of our faith is Jesus. You know, and, and is it worth it? Absolutely. Because God is guiding you to become more like Jesus. Believing in Jesus means that you set aside your will. You set aside your desires. You submit to God's teaching and His authority over your life. What Jesus teaches becomes what you do. You submit the Bible. God's holy word becomes the authority for your life. We don't just give it lip service. Truth is, is that most professing Christians don't even read the Bible. Much less do they study it for its teaching so that it will guide the way they live their lives. You know, how can we, let's, let's be honest here, how can we be so delusional as to believe that a person is saved and, and, and yet they have absolutely no interest in following Christ? You know, think about that. That is absolutely nonsense. Do you take serious what Jesus teaches? Are you trying to live what Jesus teaches rather than just give it lip service? That's what it means to believe in Jesus. You know, as a new creation, there must be in your heart a willingness, a desire to, des to deny your old nature and instead, you know, and reject possessions, reject status, reject all of the stuff that the world says, this is what matters. 
and instead seek to grow in holiness. Seek to grow in your commitment to God. You know, the words Jesus used, deny yourself, that's, that's strong language. Paul said it differently. Paul said in Philippians 3, whatever's gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Don't lose sight of this. The purpose of self-denial, you know, of counting all things as loss, is to become more like Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life. You know, to be obedient to God in all things. That's Christianity. You know, the, it's a false doctrine that teaches that God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, that, that God wants you to have a life of ease. That God wants everything to go wonderfully for you in life. That's, that's, that is a, a heretical false doctrine. The truth is that we are to give up everything for the cause of Christ. Denying yourself includes overcoming that relentless carnal desire that all of us have in our bodies. You know, the, the, the desire for ease, the desire for peace, the desire for, for comfort, you know, all of the stuff uh, that, that the world says is what you should desire. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Believing in Jesus means rejecting yourself as the center of your life. And understand again that that goes against all the natural tendencies of our human nature. It means that you recognize Jesus. You put Jesus on the throne of your life. He becomes your true center. It means acknowledging that your old self is dead and that your new life is now secured with Christ in God. From the moment that we become saved, our, our new birth occurs in our life. Self-denial, surrender must become the daily exercise for the rest of our natural lives. 1 Peter 4 says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude He had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. With the Holy Spirit now indwelling us, we are, are automatically, like it or not, we are plunged into a conflict between the divine Spirit of God and our old carnal nature. And this is, a, this is a battle that will wage for the rest of your natural life. 
Paul describes this struggle in Romans 7, you know, where, where he talks about the things that I do, I hate, and the things that I don't want to do, I don't do. And, and, and that I'm, I'm in this turmoil. That's Romans 7, and that's, that's the battle that takes place. Only by God's grace, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, can we overcome the flesh and overcome our carnal nature. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Understand what I'm saying. To believe in Jesus means that we surrender, that we subject our life to His will. Remembering that faith and believing is an act of obedience. How? Through daily self-denial, through crucifying our flesh. Then our life in Christ will grow, it will strengthen, it will develop, and we will become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Please hear me carefully. We don't surrender our lives or deny ourselves to be saved. I am not talking about a works salvation. What we do is salvation is only by grace in Jesus Christ alone. It is a free gift from God. But when we accept that free gift from God, it costs us our surrendered lives because we have been saved. The German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer he was martyred by the Nazis um, because he spoke out against Adolf Hitler. But he said this before he died. When, a, when Christ calls a man, He bids him to come and die. Now, if you believe in Jesus, you need to be prepared to die. If death is where the path of discipleship lead you. Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, believing in Jesus means setting you aside. It means replacing you with Jesus. It means that you willingly, intentionally choose to live by what God's Word teaches. You deny yourself. You're not to earn brownie points, but to become like Christ. 1 John 2 says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's command, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's Word truly shows how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
Do you see that? To believe in Jesus is to become like Jesus. You more and more cease to be you. And more and more you become like Jesus. Jesus was obedient to God to the point of death. Death on the cross for our sins. So to believe in Jesus is to follow Him down that same path if that's what's necessary. 1 John 2.10, if anyone loves a fellow believer, um, is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Stumble. Like the way I talk. Perhaps the most significant way we can show obedience to Christ is in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love means action on our part. Doing for others. Treating others as more important than we are. Remember the great commandment, Matthew 22, 37-40. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I'm going to give you the entire Bible in one sentence. Love God, love others. There it is. That, that is the entire Word of God. And it is accomplished not by what you say. I don't want you know just saying, oh, I love you. That, that doesn't get it. Show it by the way you live. Again, as always, Jesus is the example. In Philippians 2, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which you, yours is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Believing in Jesus means seeking the good of others before looking out for yourself. 1 Corinthians 10, do not be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. That goes contrary to everything that we as human beings are about. But that is exactly what being a Christ follower looks like. That's what believing in Jesus means. Scripture teaches us over and over to deny ourselves, to place others first. You know, when you are willing to sacrifice your time, your energy, your rights, your position, your reputation, your privileges, your comforts, and even your very life for the sake of Christ, you exemplify what it means to believe in Jesus. Matthew 10.39, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is what it means to believe in Jesus. You know, as you can see, it's not simply a sentence that we say. It is not an intellectual pronouncement. It is the very foundation 
of the way you live your life. So now I ask, do you believe in Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, only you know our hearts. My prayer is that right now you help each and every one of us to not be deluded, to not be confused, to not be um, somehow misguided. Help us, Father, to honestly stand before You and, and ask the question, do I believe in Jesus? God, my, my heart's desire is not to cause people to um, become afraid, but my, my desire, Lord, is for each of us to honestly and openly look into Your face and ask, do we really honestly believe in You? And then, Father, if we do, then please help us to step up and live the life that is a response to that. God, nothing matters more than this. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.